able to be. You know, a lot of people are complaining, and, and I know I complain too about the gas prices. I think it's stupid. <laughs> but it's orchestrated. It's not just our nation. It's a worldwide orchestration uh, on a global basis to bring people under control and under the thumb. That's all it amounts to. And we're seeing it happen right before our eyes. Amen. And that kind of goes along with the message that we're ministering on these last few Sundays on the coming of the Lord. The end times. The end times. I'll tell you what, we're living in the very end of the end times. And we need to understand that God is not going to stand idly by. He's not standing idly by, by the way. Listen, God sees everything. He knows everything. And nothing can be done except He allows it to be done. Hallelujah. I know these people boasting, but look what I've done. Look what Putin, Putin said, I, I did this. I, no, Putin, you're going to fall. Vladimir Putin is going to fall. Russia is going to fall. Gog and Magog is what that is. They're going to fall. Destruction comes. God is going to do what he said he would do. And we're going to see a whole lot of things happen. And, uh, but at the main, on, the, on the same token, while all this is happening, I'm going to start looking up. <laughs> because the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Amen. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I want to minister continuing on the end times. Y'all getting anything out of this at all? I hope you are, because I'm getting a whole lot out of it when I study. <laughs> Amen. But I, I want to minister. You know, the Apostle Paul has been, uh, you, you know, he he came in. He, you remember Paul was Saul of Tarsus before he got saved. And he persecuted the church. He stood there and held the coats while Stephen was stoned. And he, he orchestrated a lot of other bad things that, that happened to the early church. And when Paul got saved, or Saul of Tarsus got saved on the road uh, that day when the, the light of the Lord shone down and knocked him off his horse. Sometimes we've got to get knocked off of our high horse, so to speak. And how many know God will knock you down sometimes to lift you back up? And... He got knocked down, and but what happened was he listened to the Lord, and he obeyed the Lord in the instructions God gave him, and he went to the place where God told him to go, and then he received his sight and the Holy Ghost when the prophet of God came in. Amen? And Saul of Tarsus became Paul the Apostle. And did you know... I don't know if you've watched The Chosen. Anybody been watching The Chosen a little bit? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's really, uh, I, I know they add a little stuff in there, but most of it's down to earth and, and, and accurate. I mean, you think about the disciples. You know what we think about Peter and boy, the mighty Peter and, uh, and John and, and all of these. But you know what? They were human beings. They had their weaknesses. They had their their faults in their life. Matthew was a tax collector, and he was hated because he was a tax collector. I'm glad I don't have that job. I like friends, but you know, but Matthew was a, all of these. But God changed him and transformed him. And yet, when Paul the apostle or Saul of Tarsus got saved and born again. And word got around that he came, he went off into the Arabian Desert, first of all, for three and a half years. And there God gave him the revelations of the cross. God gave Paul the revelation 
of what Jesus really did. Most of the writings in the New Testament are Pauline epistles, a lot of them. And uh, you see the Pauline epistles happening there, and, and, uh, and, and he describes these things. But, you know, Paul was, he was born to be an apostle. He was born. Did you know there's some preachers that are born to be preachers? I know one kid was a real Gabby kid, and Gabby when he was a preteen, uh, pre and Gabby when he was a teenager, and Gabby when he got a young adult. Somebody said, you're going to make a good preacher. And you know what? He made a great preacher. No, that's not me. I wasn't really Gabby because I was so bashful. I, 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 you know, I turned red at my own shadow when it came around, you know. But uh, I was very timid. It's a, it's a miracle I'm even up here. But God changes us. But Paul was changed, and he went, and, and, and the disciples received him. But Paul, in, in first and second Thessalonians, and this is what we're going to deal with this morning, we're, we're going to just look at Paul's teaching on the second coming. He's talking to the Christian church in Thessalonica. And, uh, and I want to start with the, the uh, first Thessalonians 5, 23 through 28. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. How many believe God is faithful? Not only is he faithful, he will do it. God will perform his work. He will hasten his word to perform it, the Bible says. And he said, brethren, pray for us. Read all the brethren with a holy kiss, and I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read and, uh, to all the holy brethren, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, the teaching of the second return of the Lord, of the coming of Christ, has been in the foremost thoughts of Christians, and I believe even in the foremost thoughts of those that are backslidden. I mean, backsliders are realizing something's happening in this world. And uh, I'm believing that God's going to turn some of them around, or a lot of them around, that they can be turned around and come back to the things of God. But every generation has heard the preaching on this important subject for years. How many remember hearing messages on the coming of the Lord? I mean, some of the messages were so powerful, people just ran to the altars. Amen? There's nothing wrong with that. That's conviction. That's revelation coming alive in the hearts of people. And we've heard the preaching for years. Each generation, yeah, every generation. We're out of the same generation, most of us, from the, well, I'm not going to, I'm from the 40s. <laughs> but our generation, we're all, the prophecies, the prophecies have been proclaimed to each generation. Each generation has heard the word of the Lord. And each generation was correct on the scriptures and the events. You know, how many knows you can only walk in the knowledge and the revelation that you have? I believe the revelation and the knowledge of the coming of the Lord and the rapture of the church and these things that are going to be happening. I think that's more prevalent today, and I believe there's more detailed knowledge that God's giving the body of Christ even today 
than what we had 40 years ago. Now, somebody said, well, I heard them preach it 40 years ago. And boy, the altar's filled. You know what? They believed Jesus was coming soon. That's the whole thing. They believed Jesus was coming. And did you know, really, in the 40s and the 30s, that's really not that far back when you start looking at it as far as generations that have preached and taught the coming of the Lord. It's not that far back and not that far-fetched. But yet, each generation, each generation was correct on their scriptures. Listen, I'm not going to belittle the older generations from back. Just because it didn't happen didn't make them wrong. Amen? Just because it didn't transpire to... Now, you know what? There's a lot of people backslidden today. I say backslidden. Uh, I don't know how you can turn your back on God after what He's done for you. Even if we didn't have the promise of the rapture or the catching away of the church. You know, just having that weight lifted off of me was big enough. Amen? Just knowing that my sins were cleansed and washed in the blood of Jesus and born again, that, that was good enough. But God still has better things for us and more things for us. But each generation was correct, and they saw many of these prophecies fulfilled in their time. Listen, the church during World War I, they thought this was it. World War II, they thought this was it. And all of the other skirmishes we've had around the world. Listen, all of it's adding up. To the big climax. It's going to happen. You can mark it down. You can put it down. It's going to happen. These end time events are going to take place. They're going to transpire. The coming of the Lord is going to happen. The trump of God is going to sound. And I tell you what. It's still going to be a glorious sight. And we may be here. Listen, we may. I, I, well, I believe we're the generation that's going to see the coming of the Lord. I believe that with all my heart. I believe this generation, this world can't go on much further. In fact, when you look at the time clock and the timetable that, that the Antichrist system has already set out there, 2030 is their deadline. Hmm? Now that, I don't know about you, but that kind of makes me sit up and say, okay, maybe I should be looking up in the sky a little bit more. 2030. How many knows that's only eight years away? Eight years away. What let's see, the Great Tribulation is what, seven years? Or the tribulation period? Seven years? Seven years? Coming of the Lord? <laughs> the Lord coming back with his saints? That's all in Revelation. I mean, that's not very long. And if people think, well, I can wait till the last minute, don't kid yourself. Because did you know every minute you walk from out from under the protection of the blood and out from under the protection of God, you're praying for the devil. Amen? You're praying for the devil. So it's, I, I would rather take, I don't like the word chance, because it's not a chance when you serve God. It's a positive thing. It, it's a guaranteed thing that when the trump sounds, we're going. And even if we go through any part of tribulation, God's with us. And God's power and His strength is with us. And that's what I want to emphasize to you as we teach this. And uh, the Bible declares that we see in Norfolk. Look at 1 Corinthians. Paul again writing to the church of Corinth on this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8 through 13, Love never fails, 
But whether there's prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Where there's knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Any preacher that stands up here and says he knows the full counsel of God, he's a liar. I don't know everything. I don't know it all. I know the primary major things that we need to know. But as far as saying I know everything, uh-uh. I can still learn. I can still learn. I, I went to conferences and, and, and things where preachers get together. And some of those preachers get up there and you think, well, what's he got to say that I'm going to get anything out of? You know, uh, he, does, he don't even talk good, you know. And all of a sudden, the anointing comes on him. I tell you what, there was a preacher who used to come to my daddy's church. He was just a country hick. <laughs> I mean, uh, he was a real big guy, you know, and, and uh, his wife was pretty good size. And, and uh, the, they were down in Louisiana preaching one time. And they had to go across this bayou on a, on a little, uh, like a little canoe or whatever to get across to the other side where the church was. And both of them were pretty heavy. And... Uh, and something happened, and I don't know, I think he might have moved and got the boat off balance. Anyway, his wife fell in the water. And Pudgy was their little son. And Pudgy was Pudgy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, 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 and his daddy got up, and he always had a real habit of, that when the anointing come on him, he'd go, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory. And, and he got up, and he said, glory to God. His wife was out there, hey, help me. And, and Pudgy said, daddy. Mama's drowning. He's all, and he threw her something to get her in. But you know, that's how lost he was in the spirit, I guess. Now, I think his wife had a few choice words for him afterwards. And we won't even repeat those words. Because it wouldn't be right in church. <laughs> but how many knows what I'm saying? Some people can get off in la-la land and miss the boat. We don't want to be so spiritual-minded that we're of no earthly use. Amen? And I tell you what, there's some people that are so spiritual minded, they're no earthly good. Because every time, listen, people think you're wacky. You know, you got, you, you, we live in a real world, there's real problems, but at the same time, we can have real joy and real peace and let them see and, and, and witness the peace of God and the joy of the Lord in our lives because we know what God's saying. But the Bible teaches, look what it said now. We know in part, we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, he that which is in part, uh, th- that which is in part will be done away. And when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now listen, every one of us are growing in the Lord. Amen? And every one of us that's been saved for a long time should be growing more every day. And we should be really uh, teaching anyone else around us that's just coming into the things of the Lord and be the teacher to them. But he said, For we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I've also known, and now abides faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these is love. I want to take a look at the church of Thessalonica, the Thessalonian church. So this is where we're going to get our main scriptures today that we're going to talk about. We want to look at Paul's teaching on the second coming. How many believe we could put pretty much confidence in what Paul said? Mm-hmm. The apostle. Mm-hmm. Amen. He, he received a revelation 
on, on in, in the desert when he first got saved because nobody else would take him in. He had to go out there alone with God and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And God revealed the revelations that we read in the book of Romans, uh, Corinthians, uh, Thessalonians, his letters to Timothy, Titus. Uh, I, I, I mean, we see all of these things where Paul was ministering. But the church of Thessalonica is a mirror of the end time church today. It kind of mirrors what we are. It was a church that believed and received the word of God. I believe the church of today... Christians, real Christians, true Christians, they believe and they receive the word of God. And the church at Thessalonica was a very benevolent church, a giving church. They gave to missions and they, they did all the, that's what Pat and I are, we're thankful for our church. Did you know, you don't have to be big to do big things. And we do big things for a small church. Amen. We really do. Our missions has increased. I think we should increase our missions. I mean, there's nothing wrong. The more you give, the more God's going to bless you. And if we see other missionaries and missions that works that are doing good things for God, we should be a support of it. And this is what uh, the church uh, uh, that we should be. It was a benevolent church. This church at Thessalonica was a very benevolent church. And uh, they were patients and uh in their hope of the Lord coming and the sight, and, and they were they had patience. It was a patient church, and we got to be have patience. But look what that First Thessalonians four verse nine and ten. This is what most of the believers in Thessalonica had happened. The Bible said they had turned from idols to serve the living and true God, and waiting for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath. To come. God's promise to deliver us from the wrath to come. I mean, know what the wrath is. It's the tribulation, the great tribulation. And God said, we don't have to, we're not going to face that wrath. But Paul's teaching in the first epistle focused on the second coming of Christ. Look at 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 through 5. I won't have a lot of scriptures up here because scripture speaks for itself. Amen. But look what it says. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone, and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and encourage you concerning your faith. Now listen, if I ever have to go on a trip, if I ever have to go, uh, and sometimes pastors and ministries and, and such as we have, a lot of times we, we have an opportunity to go, you know what, I want to make sure somebody's here like Timothy. <laughs> that can exhort and teach and preach and put the word of God in you. Amen. We got people right here that can help us and assist us. I'm not. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to leave. Praise God. But you know what? I want to be here because God put me here. And if you're where God wants you, you're going to see some things happen. But look what it said here to encourage you concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. See, they were being persecuted at Thessalonica. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to this. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation. Hmm. See, the church, somebody will think, well, I, I'm going to get in church. It'd be an easy road, dog. Listen, we need to understand, and some people's persecution is just your family making fun of you, you know. 
that some people think that's great persecution. But no, that's not the persecution Paul's talking about here. But he's talking about that we should suffer tribulation and uh, that we would suffer. But just as it happened, and you know, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. Paul had a heart for the church. Paul had a heart for the people of God. And when Timothy came back with a report, Paul was thinking, it looks like they're going to give up. They're going to quit. They're going to quit serving God. And I want to tell you something. I'm here to encourage all of us. We're not going to give up. We're not going to throw in the towel. We're not going to, we're going to, uh, listen, God's able to bring the sinking ship up and put it upright. Hallelujah. And God's doing it. I tell you what, and sometimes it takes the few faithful to make sure that it gets turned upside right and go forward. And this is what God's doing. And yet God's got others that God's going to bring in and God's going to bring here to be part of us and God's going to see. Listen, we're part of the church. How many knows where the church is a a worldwide thing that God has? The church in this Denton County area is, is the church. When I say the church, it's all born-again believers. All born-again believers. I don't care what denominational tag they got. If they're born again, washed in the blood, believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior, and he died for them, resurrected for them, and we're born again. Praise God. And, and, and so, it does, now we may have different thoughts on different areas, but it, the main areas we need to have the same thoughts on. That's Jesus as Lord. And it's by the blood of the Lamb. Amen? And I believe that we just follow what God says to do. But Paul comforted the church. Look what he said in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 through 18. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. See, evidently the church at Thessalonica were getting concerned because people were dying, and they were already gone on, and, and they thought they would be here when the, the Lord came. Listen, I knew of one lady that she had a dream, and God told her she wouldn't go and die before, that she'd be alive when the Lord came. She died some 20 years ago. But you know what? That didn't mean that God wasn't encouraging her and speaking to her. But you know the thing is, she's still going to go up. Because the dead in Christ are going to rise first one day. And we which are alive and remain should be caught up together to be with the Lord. But we have to understand that God has his timing on everything. Amen? But listen. Even so, God will bring with those who sleep in Jesus. For we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. We. Now, even Paul. I want you to notice what his wording is. We who are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord. Somebody said, well, yeah, but he didn't come during Paul's time. No, he didn't. As far as coming like we're going to see him come. But Paul had that hope. And this is the way the church, I believe every, every generation uh, every church in each generation should have this hope that we should live like he's coming tomorrow or coming today and be holy and live like Jesus is coming. Because we don't, we don't know the day or the hour. In fact, Jesus himself doesn't know when the Father is going to tap him on the shoulder and say, Son, go get my church. Only the Father in heaven, Jesus said that himself. 
Only the Father in heaven knows the time. And so, but look what he said. The Lord himself will dis descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Be ready, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. We should always be ready, constantly ready for the coming of the Lord. Every Christian should be ready. I want to read First Thessalonians 5. He said, Be concerned, but concerning the times and season, brethren, uh, you have no need that I should write to you, for you shall know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. Everybody say, I'm not in darkness. So that this day should overtake you as a thief, you're all sons of light and sons of the day. We're not of the dark or darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk or drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath. I've got that underlined by Bible, by the way. God did not appoint us to wrath. God has not appointed us to the wrath. How many knows the Great Tribulation, the latter part of the Great Tribulation, is actually God's wrath upon this world. God is pouring His wrath upon this world. We have not been appointed to the wrath of God. It didn't mean we're not, been, we're not going to see devastation. It didn't say we're not going to see any type of wars. We've seen all of that. Our nation has seen many wars. But the thing is, that's not the wrath of God. The wrath of God is God himself pouring out his punishment. Pouring out his wrath upon this evil that's upon this earth. We're not appointed to that. Amen? We ought, we ought to get up every morning. Thank God I'm not appointed to wrath. But to obtain salvation. To obtain salvation by the Lord. And who died for us, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you're also doing. Now, this is Paul, the pastor, the apostle, the leader, the big daddy, you know, talking to the children of Thessalonica, saying, comfort one another. Comfort one another. And this is what God wants us to say. First Thessalonians 5, verse 4 through 5. Uh, we read that, but I want to just emphasize it. You, brethren, are not in darkness. Everybody say, I'm not in darkness. See, we can know. We, we, listen, every one of us can have a revelation of Jesus Christ and what the Word declares. Listen, most people just open the Word and they just see words. But what you've got to do is you've got to open it up and look beyond the words and see the revelation of what Jesus is saying. And that only comes through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals. He peels back that and let you see beyond just letters and it's the word of the living God and the revelation comes alive in your heart. That's what happened when you got saved. You know what happened? You heard somebody preach and all of a sudden that revelation of Jesus and what he did for you, taking your sin, not only taking it, but becoming sin so that we can become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Amen? But he said it's going to come like a thief in the night. And 
you know, he, he, he compared the disciples as a sober person who's awake. And he said that, and we, 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 we read it a while ago, but I want to just emphasize that scripture. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep at night and those who get drunk or, get drunk or drunk at night, but let us who of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. In other words, these disciples are not impaired by drunkenness of, of worldly living. You know, listen, how many remember when you were a sinner? I don't know. Don't be like that person that was in the choir. You know, they were singing that song. I was sinking deep in sin. This person went, wee! <laughs> no, that really happened in the church one time. But <laughs> the guy was just playing, of course. But... But you know, we're, we we got to take this thing seriously, amen. But we're we're not asleep, and uh, we're sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and we're not we're not impaired by all of this. But Paul left Thessalonica, and some of the people who belonged to the church died. We've all witnessed that in our own lifespan. We've seen people that were members of the church. And I say the church, this church, members of the church. The church is all believers. That's the church. And, but I believe we have the church. But, but, but what I'm saying is it, the, the church is all born again, blood washed believers that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul, you know, he, he, we just need to understand that uh, a lot, a lot of times, we're going to see loved ones go on to be with the Lord. That happens. Life happens. It's appointed unto man wants to die. How many know you got an appointed time? And I tell you, if you're serving the Lord, if you're serving God, and you've got that, you got a revelation of that blood of Jesus that's wrapped around you and covered you and cleansed you and, and protects you and all that, I believe God will keep us until that appointed time. Every one of us have an appointed time. An appointed time. When God says come home. And when God says come home. There's nobody that's going to stop it. Why? Because the person that is a believer. That appointed time. They, they know that in their heart. And they're ready to go. And they're ready to rise. And they're ready to go on. Their spirit man comes out of that body. The spirit man is no longer in bondage. Uh, to, the, to that body and, the, and they're released and so thank God for that amen but Paul uh, you know they, they thought Paul was kind of off doctrinally sometimes in the way he talked and you know what I'm sure people sometimes think that I may be off doctrinally sometimes <laughs> I try not to be I try to listen Scripture interprets Scripture. Can I give you a little lesson I learned in Bible college? Scripture interprets Scripture. You don't make a doctrine out of one Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. As you see the Scripture interpreting the next Scripture, and it all flows together, and flow, that's when you get a doctrine. The doctrine. We have the doctrine of the coming of the Lord because there's many Scriptures that relate to each other. we got doctrine of sanctification. Doctrine of the Holy Ghost. Doctrine of, uh, of, of healing. Because uh, scriptures 
they flow together and they reveal and, and explain each other, you know, to what, what they're saying. And so we, we need to understand that, you know, that I, I tell you what, God, gee, we just need to get in the Word. Amen? I encourage people, get in the Word. Flow with what God's doing. And, and we need to, you know, I, I'm going to reemphasize the fact the Lord himself will come down from heaven. The Lord himself will come down from heaven. I said the Lord himself is going to come down from heaven. Amen. And with a loud command from the with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together. That's scripture. Now there's a lot of people that try to do away with what we call the rapture. The word rapture is not in the Bible, by the way. But it means the catching away. That's what it literally means. Caught up, catching away. And uh, man has put the title rapture on it. But, uh, you know, and you don't never find it. You'll never find it in any concordance, any dictionary, nothing. As far as being in the Bible that we have as the Bible. But it does say catching away. You're caught up. You're going to come up out of the ground. Going to be in the air. That's that's the rapture. That's the coming of the Lord. That's that's what's going to happen when all of that, that takes place, and we're going to see God do what He said He would do. Now, the trump of God is going to sound. Amen. And Paul closes this letter with the emphasis and a reminder. And uh, uh, you know, we 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 read it a while ago, but just reread First Thessalonians five one through eleven. But concerning the times and the seasons, the times and the seasons. Now in my notes here, I've got the, uh, that emphasized, but concerning the bold letters, the times and the seasons. You have no need that I should write to you, for yourself know that the, that day the Lord comes as a thief in the night. We know Jesus is coming. And God's encouraging the church of Thessalonica here. And, you, you know, we need to understand that every, every believer should have this hope. This is our hope. This is what it is. You talk, listen, I, I talk to people that are of full gospel organizations, that one particular organization, they had four points on their uh, doctrinal thing, that was salvation. Baptism of the Holy Ghost, divine healing, and the coming of the Lord. Four, four different thoughts. And, uh, you, you know, and so th uh, this guy did a conference and the Holy Ghost. That was the fifth one. There's five points in it. But th they had a big conference one time, and my, my son-in-law, he was there. And he said, Dad, he said, I never heard this guy preach like he preached. And he was a well-known speaker. For this particular group, very good Bible teacher, very solid, very anointed, and he went up there to that conference. And he told him, he said, "Now, he was emphasizing one other point there. He said, now I'm gonna we, we emphasize, you know, the new birth, and we emphasize uh, salvation, you know, salvation and." We emphasize the coming of the Lord, and we emphasize divine healing. And but he said there's one area 
that I haven't heard many of you preach on, and that's on the Holy Ghost. And he took off preaching. Now, this guy has a doctorate degree. I mean, he's very well educated. But he also was very well anointed. Degrees don't make the anointing. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ in our life that brings the anointing. And he preached that day on the Holy Ghost to that group of preachers. I don't know, they probably had a thousand or more there at this conference. Preachers. And I mean, some of them didn't even have the Holy Ghost. And yet they believed it and preached it. And he gave an altar service. And I don't know, my, my son-in-law said, Dad, there were probably at least 500 preachers up there that received the Holy Spirit that day. And they were all praising God in tongues. Hallelujah. Listen, it's real. The Holy Ghost is real. The Spirit of God is real. We can't pick our doctrines that we want to believe in. If we're going to believe the Word, we have to believe the Word. This is the full gospel. It's the full. We, set, we call ourselves full gospel churches, but this is the full gospel. This Word is the full gospel. And we've got to get a hold of the full gospel and let the full work of Christ come alive in our hearts and be what God's called us to be. So we'll be ready for this event that Paul's talking about. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Listen. I want to read what Paul says in uh, his writings. He said, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who called you is faithful. He who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. And I charge you by the Lord that if this will be read to all the brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Amen. So we need to understand this one thing. Let's not forget the words of Jesus to his disciples. And these words should be to us in the modern day church of today. The words that Jesus spoke. How many believe Jesus told his disciples things? Remember, they came to him all the time. Lord, when's, it, when's this going to happen? Remember when he was crucified and resurrected? And they came to him, is, this, is the kingdom going to be restored at this time? See, they were thinking of physical kingdom. They were thinking of the physical things for Israel. Is the fit? And he said, no. <laughs> You're going to be arrested. You're going to be persecuted. Some of you are going to be healed for my name's sake. See, in other words, we're looking for an easy way out. But you know what? The easy way out is to know Jesus Christ. And because the Lord sustains us and the Lord keeps us and the Lord preserves us until that day when the Father says, go get them. Amen? And the Lord is going to come. Listen. The coming of the Lord is here. Um, Matthew 24, verses 1 through 14, is those scriptures I was just telling you about. And let's listen to what the Lord said to them. Jesus went and departed, and his disciples said, show, show, to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, 
do you not see all these things? As surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here from another. They, they shall be thrown down. And then as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? What, be? what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now Jesus had already come, right? But so they're talking about the return of the Lord. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I'm the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear the wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Listen, we're hearing of all of these events taking place in our world today. It should not come as a shock. I ministered the other day on Gog and Magog. Russia has a very big part to play in the end time. But Russia is not going to rule the world. Russia is going to be taken out. That's what the Bible says. God spoke through Ezekiel. said, I'm going to put a hook in your jaws, Gog and Magog. And if you look at the map, Gog and Magog is where Russia is. That is Gog and Magog. And he said, I'm going to put a hook in your jaws, jaws and pull you in, and I'm going to destroy you. That's, that's basically what the Lord told him. I'm going to destroy you. You're going to be destroyed. Don't you remember Ezekiel 37? Talking about the resurrection of the bones. The, there that the, were all... This was a great army that one time that had been destroyed, which was Israel. And it was significant of Israel because Israel was no longer a nation recognized around the world during, uh, during many years, even before uh, the, the annihilation of the Jews in World War II. I mean, you know, they had not been recognized. As, they didn't have a place called home, in other words. There were Jews. But they didn't have a place called home. How many knows God's still going to honor his people? And the Jews are his people. And God's going to honor them because God is God. Amen? And listen. Israel is going to be resurrected. Israel was resurrected. And that's what happened to the bones. Ezekiel prophesied these bones. And he prophesied. And bone came to bone. An exceeding great army come up out of that pit of, it was, it was a graveyard of bones. And out of that pit came a, God put flesh on them in this, in this vision that Ezekiel received. And that flesh was talking about Israel being rebirthed, reborn as a mighty nation for God. And Israel has been rebirthed. 1948 it happened. How many glad for that? It, they didn't get a whole lot, but they had a little speck over there, a little spot called home. How many knows it's just good to have a place called home? Amen. Amen. But you know what? They didn't even have a place called home. They were vagabonds. They were just everywhere. Nobody, they, there was disrespect for the Jewish people. Even in America, there was disrespect for the Jewish people. I caught myself one time uh, when I was a teenager telling a, a, a Jewish joke that was kind of disrespectful. And I, I, the Lord got a hold of me and said, son, that's my people. They're my chosen. Don't ridicule them. I'm going to do what I said I would do with them. And for them. Because they're mine. Israel is still on God's mind. Israel, God does not forget his promises. Even though Israel forgot God, God didn't forget Israel. Even though some people have forgotten God, God has not forgot them. There's a lot of Christians that have backslid, not even serving God. 
Not even, even close to serving the Lord. But you know what? God hasn't forgotten them. And God still has covenant with them. And God will draw them back in. Hallelujah. Somebody said, whoo. I don't know if there's any hope for this brother or this sister. You're not God. You didn't shed your blood for them. Jesus did. Amen. If God can take the Apostle Paul that stood there and watched Stephen stoned to death and all these Christians martyred during his time of reign as, as a ruler and God take him and convert him and make him what he was, a great man of God. And Paul was even, you know, he had his head chopped off at the very end because God spoke to him though and said, your time has come, Paul. And he just, the Bible said he just laid down his head on the chopping block. Why? Because he knew. He knew where he was going when it was over with. Because of the revelation that he received. And listen, God has given revelation even to the Jewish nation. Now as a whole, the nation won't recognize until that day when Jesus returns. But I'll tell you something, there's many Jews being born again today. There's a lot of Arabs being born again today. Amen. God is appearing to certain ones and ones that are open to him. And he's appearing to them physically. Or, you know, I, I guess physically, the spirit realm, however he does it. Some of them have dreams and God shows them. Testimonies all over the world of Arabs that don't believe in God, Jehovah God, like we do, or Jesus Christ anyway. They believe in Jehovah God, but not Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the key. That's the key. That's the one that Jesus brought in, and that's what we got we to gotta read. But listen, Jesus gave these warnings. And he gave all of these warnings that are there. And Paul the Apostle, he had a revelation of the coming of the Lord. And I, I encourage you, take time to read First and Second Thessalonians. Especially those two books. They're not very large books. Take time to read it, study it with the concordance and, and some things. And, and study it with prayer. Let God open your eyes to what God is saying. Listen, we are the church. We're the church. And, and as I said, each generation has had every right to believe that Jesus was coming at that time. Each generation. Why? Because the very things that were happening during their time was biblical. And it looked like that was the signs at that time for the very end. But now as we go along and as we were doing what God's told us and, 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 and getting revelation of the word like we've never had before, we're seeing things. We're living. Listen, our generation is living in the end time. When you look at the timetable and the prophetic events that need to be taking place, there's not too many of them that couldn't happen just like that. And we're going to see God do what he said he would do. Amen. Jesus is coming. I said Jesus is coming. And I will tell you something. Uh, Paul talked about it way, way back there. Way back there. We've not been appointed to wrath. Hallelujah. The great tribulation is the wrath of God. We've not been appointed to that. But I tell you one thing, one day soon, the graves are going to open. The dead in Christ are going to come out first and be meeting the Lord in the air. And then we who are alive and remain shall be called up. We who are alive. I like the way Paul put that in his writing. 
we who are alive and remain. See, what each generation, they believed that they, it, it was happening. But we need to understand, they didn't have the insight in some of the things that we're seeing happen today, but now that we're seeing it happen, and Jesus is coming soon. I said, Jesus is coming soon. It may be morning, it may be night or noon, <laughs> but we know he's coming soon. Amen? And I, I tell you, it, it's not a fairy story. It's not a fairy tale. It's not something that I'm preaching this because my denomination believes in it, and that's what I'm going to preach. No, I'm preaching it because I got revelation of it. And this is why we have to get a hold of it. Not, listen, some people just come to church because they say, well, that's what I want to believe. They don't, they don't believe I've got to live good and holy all the time, so I, I, I like that church. No, God said be holy as he's holy. Right. Amen? And there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. God's not, God's not in the condemning business. He's in the saving business. And he wants to us to be reconciled back to him. But I want to tell you something. When you're reconciled back to God, you're going to serve him. And I know people have heard the message of the coming of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. And if they really believed it, I believe the altars would be full every service. But you know the thing is, sometimes, remember when 9-11 happened? Churches filled up all over this nation. You know what happened just shortly after that? They emptied back out again. Why? The danger was over. It looked like we're okay now. I want to tell you something. I always tell people, don't serve God because your grandma and grandpa serve God. Serve God because you got a revelation of Jesus Christ. we got to get a revelation. We, we can't just come and be baptized and say, well, I'm baptized, I'm in, I'm in church. No, no, no. Water baptism don't save nobody. Water baptism is only a sign of the inner work that God's done for you. Amen? And when we understand that, we're going to see things happen. But listen, don't... This, don't let people get lulled to sleep. Don't let your loved ones get lulled to sleep and rocked to sleep in this world situation and thinking that, you know, hey, I'll repent at the last minute. Why not repent now? Why not come to the Lord now? Why wait and try to take your chance on, well, if I hear the trump, I'm going to go. Well, what happens if you don't hear the trump? What happens if something happens and you're not around? Listen, we we got to understand, this is serious business. And people that's watching by Facebook Live, it's serious. Don't get saved because the end time's coming. Get saved because you love Jesus. Get saved because you love what he did for you. Get born again because you see that he loved you so much he gave his life. He took the stripes on his back that we could be whole and be healed. Inwardly and outwardly and mentally and emotionally. Jesus did all of that for us. And we, we need to get that revelation of that. And not just because it's bad times coming. Oh, I've got to get in church. Getting in church ain't going to save nobody. Being a member of a church isn't going to save you. Coming to church isn't going to save you. But we've got to get right in our heart. I, I, I refer to this often, but I was five when I got saved. Some of y'all might, might have been the same age or whatever when you got saved. But I remember when I got saved. And I loved the Lord. We prayed for my daughter that she'd get saved. But you know, she was a preacher's kid. PK. Preacher's kid, they got higher standards they got to live by, you know. And, uh, and 
my wife tried to make her have a higher standard. She'd sit her up on the front row with her. When we go preaching, we was traveling and preaching, and even when pastor did, she'd sit on the front row when she was little. And she'd get squirmy and want to go run and do it, and she'd just kind of get her finger on her little knee, and just, on her little thigh, and just twist it. You know, just enough. And make her, ah! Well, you know what? She learned, and she didn't just get up and squirm around all the time either. But you know what? We pray, God, let her see what Jesus did for her. She was five years old. Got up one Sunday morning. I got up. We always get up early. And, and I got up early that morning. And I saw her bedroom. Her door was shut. The bedroom light was on. I said, hmm, maybe she just forgot to turn it off. And I kind of opened the door up. She was sitting right up in bed. Had a little Bible story book that her grandmother gave her on Jesus. And had pictures, a lot of pictures in it. And she was sitting there with tears streaming down her face. I said, Stacy, is everything okay? She said, Daddy, it's fine. And then she got the Bible and she came up to the end of the bed and she just opened it up, that little picture Bible she had. She turned to the page where Jesus was hanging on the cross. And she had tears streaming down her face. See, it wasn't just a prayer. It wasn't just mimicking. It was revelation. And she said, Daddy, he died for me. He loved me so much, he died for me. And we prayed with her that morning, and she got born again. Hallelujah. Five years old, still serving God. Kids are serving God. She got a little international family now. She got one from uh, Ethiopia, one from China. We got an American doll in there, too, you know. But, uh, you know, she's, she's, she, and they're all serving God. In fact, my little Ethiopian is going with my daughter over to Rwanda uh, this next week. They're going on a trip, a mission trip. My daughter went all over the world. She out, she, every time she goes somewhere, she said, Daddy, I just did one more country than you've ever done. <laughs> I said, well, I'm proud of you, baby, but I'm not in no contest no more. <laughs> Amen. But, you know, thank God. But listen, revelation. It's revelation. we got to get our kids to get a revelation. we got to get our neighbors, our friends, our relatives to get a revelation. Not just come to church. Yeah, come to church is good because there God can get a hold of them. But the thing is, we've got to get that revelation. Yeah. It's not going to save you just to be in church. Yeah. It's not going to save you just to be baptized if you don't have a revelation right. of what Jesus did for you. And you've got to know it. And you've got to know that. And I'm glad Jesus is coming soon. Yeah. I believe it's going to happen anytime. We need to be ready like it's going to happen today. Yeah. And we need to prepare like we've got a little time left and go ahead and do some things for God. Amen? Listen, main thing is just be ready. Yeah. Be ready. And be ready to go. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that as we read these letters of Paul to the church of Thessalonica that we can see what you're doing in the hearts of people. And God, we're just asking you to just stir our hearts Stir our minds today, Lord, that we can just begin to worship you. Worship you, Lord. And just praise you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, when we've been there.
the people right there. Let them receive you in their hearts and lives. Let the peace of God flood their being. Let the joy of the Lord just overflow them right now in the name of Jesus. Father, those that's here today, let us just come closer to you. Lord, let us rededicate ourselves to you. Let's reaffirm our faith to you, Lord, because you did it all. Lord, we're serving you, a living God, a living Savior. Lord, we do know you're coming back soon. We just praise you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet today. Amen. Thank you all for being. We're going to be here tonight at 6 o'clock. It's open to everybody. Praise the Lord. 6 o'clock. We're going to just worship the Lord and praise Him. You know, the Bible said is, as you see the day approaching, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together as you see the day approaching. Listen, we need to understand church isn't just to have church. Church is to come build yourself up and believe God and just worship Him. Amen. Amen. Sister Claudine, would you dismiss us this morning? Amen. God bless you. See y'all tonight.